The Moral Revolution in Atlas Shrugged. This essay was first published nearly 40 years ago as the first chapter of my book, Who is Ayn Rand? Random House, 1962. Except for a few cuts of superfluous words or sentences, the essay is reproduced in its original form. It was written at a time when my thinking was totally in alignment with that of Ayn Rand's, and thus none of the reservations or questions about her work that I would convey in later books and lectures is in evidence. The listener should also remember that it was written at a time when the received wisdom of our most prominent intellectuals was that socialism was the wave of the future, that it was only a matter of another decade or so until the Soviet Union outstripped the West in productivity, and that free market capitalism had had its chance and had failed. It was a time when the United States seemed to be on a near-irresistible course toward ever-expanding statism and businessmen everywhere were on the defensive. I have allowed this essay to be republished as originally written because Ayn Rand thought so highly of it as an introduction to her moral philosophy, and because therefore I believe students of her work will find it of historical interest, and also because there is much here with which I continue to agree. At a few minutes to eight, on an evening twelve years from tonight, the people of the United States are sitting at their radio and television sets, waiting to hear a broadcast by the head of their government, Mr. Thompson. They are waiting in silent despair to learn the answer they seek, the explanation of what has happened to the world. For years they have been witnessing a process of ever-accelerating disintegration. They have seen the rest of the earth sink into the chaos, the brutality, the terror and starvation of collectivism. In the United States, they have watched the steps of the same process, the growing power of the government, the contracting sphere of freedom, the expanding tentacles of controls and regulations reaching out to uncoil every life. But the disintegration of America is following a mysterious time schedule of its own that has no historical precedent, moving at a faster rate than anyone can explain. The gates of factories are closing, conveyor belts are turning still, roads are growing empty, buildings are crumbling, weeds are crawling over the abandoned ruins of great industries, and certain men, silently and inexplicably, are vanishing. Inventors, industrialists, artists, engineers, philosophers, scientists. Men who have one attribute in common. Ability. The lights of America are going out. Darkness is swallowing the last of the civilized world, as if the motor of the world had stopped. The people who are awaiting the broadcast have never known or wondered what is the motor of the world. They have taken industrial civilization for granted, as an irreducible fact of nature. And at the sight of every new disaster, at the news of every train wreck, every plane crash, every oil tank explosion, every business collapsed into bankruptcy, at the failure of every hope. They have heard the voices of their political and intellectual leaders declaring that selfishness is the cause of their plight, that self-sacrifice is the road to prosperity, that brotherly love and wider government power are the solution to all the problems of the world. It is an age of cynicism and of terror, of skepticism and of hysteria, of exhausted resignation, 
and of frantic efforts to evade the knowledge of that to which men had become resigned. Now, in the midst of the last impoverished remnants of what had been America's greatness, in a mood of gray hopelessness and embittered passivity, they await the speech which their government has promised them for weeks will show them the path to recovery. The speech is scheduled for eight o'clock, but at a few minutes to eight, every broadcasting station across the country suddenly goes dead. All sound has been cut off, jammed and silenced by an unknown transmitter that has taken control of the airwaves. And then the hand of the clock reaches the dot of eight. Ladies and gentlemen, said a voice that came from the radio receiver, a man's clear, calm, implacable voice, the kind of voice that had not been heard on the airwaves for years. Mr. Thompson will not speak to you tonight. His time is up. I have taken it over. You were to hear a report on the world crisis. That is what you were going to hear. For twelve years you have been asking, who is John Galt? This is John Galt speaking. I am the man who loves his life.